So we have about 50,000 downloads. Um, I'd rather not go into the exact numbers with you, um, but I'm pleasantly surprised at how quickly it's, uh, it's growing. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Leslie Eccle. She's the founder and CEO of Relish, the first ever relationship training app, making it easier to build happy, healthy, more connected relationships. Leslie, you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely, Nathan. It's great to be here. Yeah. So tell me first the business model on this thing. Is it a pure play SaaS kind of B2B model or is it more B2C? It's 100% B2C. We're going to direct consumer. Uh, That's my background. Um, And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, the right way to go for this product. It's um, an annual subscription, $100 a year for two people. Um, Is that what most people pay? They sign up for two full years? uh, For two people, not two years. Sorry, but is that what most people do? They sign up for two people, $100 for the year? Exactly, yeah. Okay, got it. And and, tell us what it does first. So Relish is the first product of uh, my company, which is a relationship wellness company and relish itself is an app is in the app store um, and it is um, it's called a relationship training app um, the idea is that it helps you become closer in your relationship so this is for people who have found the one they've been together for say a year or more they've moved in together um, how do you keep that relationship strong how do you keep the connection healthy how do you not let that relationship go stale? Well, Leslie, isn't it just sex? Why do we need an app for this? Uh, good question. Uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a chicken and an egg situation going on there. You know, you have, you have good sex that can lead to a good relationship. You have a good relationship leads to good sex. Which one comes first? Mm-hmm. Unclear. The scientists don't really agree on which one comes first. Interesting. So what we're doing is taking a very relationship-focused approach to this with an underpinning of a healthy sex life as well. So um, when did you launch the company? What year? Uh, we launched in September this year. Okay. So tw- literally a couple of months ago. So 2019. Right. Now, right. did you, are you bootstrapping this or did you spend a bunch of money on your MVP? We raised a couple of million dollars from Trinity Ventures and Bullpen Ventures. Yep. Now, but did you, I mean, so when, I guess let me ask my question. When did you write the first line of code? We started last year, 2018. Okay. And, and- 
And when did you raise that capital? Was it end of last year as well? Right. Yeah. Okay. And how much was that for? 2.2. Now was, what was the premise of that? Did most of that go towards software development? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a team of engineers um, and product managers who are based in Edinburgh and Scotland, which is where I'm originally from. Uh, I live in New York now. I'm building in out product, uh, sorry, marketing, content and coaching over here in New York. Mm -hmm. Now, how were you able to raise, right, 2.2 million for this kind of B2C relationship app back with, you mean, from scratch basically on day one? Right. It was. It was. You're, uh, a, hell, you're a hell of a salesperson. That's what that tells me. Yeah. I had a, a PowerPoint deck. Um, I had trialed it with, uh, you know, a very, very basic MVP. I trialed with uh, about 50 to 100 people. Um, and the results I saw were really, really strong. And results measured by what? Measured by the uh, outcome that it had on people's lives. Mm-hmm. Did they, A, did they enjoy the experience? B, did it make any sort of a difference to their lives? Um, and Well, how did you measure the difference though? I, I asked, I interviewed them. I asked them, how did it make them feel? What went well? What, what did not go well? Um, and do you want to keep using this product. Would they give you honest answers? I mean, they know you're the creator. You're putting your life into this thing. Would they lie to your face to make you keep you happy? I'm in New York. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, very good point, but but they are your friends, right? I mean, uh, I, I mean, mean, I don't have that many friends, Nathan, to be honest. <laughs> but I vaguely knew in some respect. And okay. I absolutely said to them, look, I'm not going to be precious about this. Tell so me 20, 2018 first line of code, how many engineers do you have working on this today? Uh, I have four engineers. Four folks. And how, what's the total team size? Six or seven? Uh, we have 10. Oh, 10. Okay, 10 people. That's good. So you obviously included in that. What are the other three? We have a designer, a data scientist, and a head of content. Okay, so you're pretty full there. Now, did you have you burned through the full 2.2 million or, or on the MVP or is some of that still in the bank? Yeah, we're good. We're good. We've got a better runway left. Yeah. So what did you, I mean, look, one of the things I'm always curious about, especially with B2C is what folks typically spend just to get the MVP out the door. So between your first line of code and your first customer, how much did you spend building the MVP? I mean, you say first customer, you know, like we did customer development at the same time as product development, you know, we're first not, paying customer though. First paying customer. What should we spend by then? A few hundred thousand. Did that feel like the right amount for what you built or could you have done it cheaper looking back? No, I mean, this is not a straightforward, uh, you know, this, this product is actually pretty complex. So we use a lot of uh, algorithms to make sure that the advice plan that you served is the right advice plan for you. So mm-hmm. it's not one, in, if you look at a product like um, Calm or Headspace in the meditation space, um, that's self-serve. So they just have a huge content library that you can go in and dip into. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're building is really uh, a back engine which will serve up the right content for you based on what we know about you as a person and based on what we know about the, the relationship that you're in. Yep. Now, are you also having to pay for people like Mark Williams, LMHC, and, and uh, Mooney Visco, JD Certified Life Coach? Are you having to pay them to create content for the platform and create stickiness or no? So those are our coaches. Our coaches um, are dealing with our, our customers on a one-to-one basis. 
Um, we create our content. Uh, we have a head of content who's Caitlin. You might see on our website, mm-hmm. um, and she she is producing the content along with some freelancers. Okay, so you don't outside of those ten people, you don't have anyone else that that you're paying full time. These coaches are doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Uh, they're they're working part time. Okay, they are part time. So how do you make the economics work? How can a coach spend one on one time with someone that's only paying a hundred dollars a year? They must be dealing with thousands of customers each, right, to make the economics work. Well, I mean, the the touch points are, uh, you know, there are certain touch points within the app where you're allowed to talk with the coach. So, you know, you have when you first sign up, you'll tell them what the, the presenting problem is uh, or the situation that you're in. Um, you then will do some lessons, and then you get to talk to the coach again as a result of doing those lessons. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not like talk space where you just would have, um, where you would have hundreds of interactions in a week, maybe, mm-hmm. um, this is much more a, a controlled, uh, experience with the coach. I see. Okay. So you, you build MVP over a year, you launch August, 2019, uh, Apple names you the app of the day, 4.8 star rating. We're now two, three months after that. How many customers have you signed up to the platform to date? Uh, so we have about 50,000 downloads. Um, I'd rather not go into the exact numbers with you. Um, but I'm pleasantly surprised at how quickly it's, uh, it's growing. Okay. Why do you say you'd rather not go into the numbers with me? Obviously I like to talk about paid customers and how they're using the application. Is it just, you haven't turned on the paywall yet? Oh no, we, we have absolutely turned on the paywall. Okay. So Um, you do have paying customers. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. Look, Nathan, my background, I don't know if you know this, but my background was, uh, I was one of the founders of FanDuel. And if you know about FanDuel and the story behind that, we got into quite a competitive battle with our number one competitor. DraftKings. Right, exactly. So, you know, when I'm building my next company... Was that a good outcome though in the end? An outcome for who? Both you, well, actually, I mean, you were in FanDuel. So for you and DraftKings, obviously, you guys were acquired by, by Patty Power Betfair. I mean, was that a good outcome for you guys? Uh, so it wasn't, FanDuel wasn't acquired by Patty Power Betfair. There was a merger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that... What's merger- the difference though, right? What is, this is really phrasing when it comes down to it. Yeah. I mean, from a legal standpoint, there's, there's a big difference. Well, yeah. Educate us on that difference. I'm not, I'm not aware. Okay, so uh, an acquisition is where Paddy Power Betfair would fully buy another company. A merger is where FanDuel and a piece of Paddy Power Betfair came together to create a new company. So there was, you know, it wasn't a sale. It wasn't a, uh, an exit. It, like. Well, sure, but there was an in-between there, right? You basically just said they either buy nothing or 100, like basically 100%, right? So, I mean, when, when you say someone acquires someone, let me give you a hypothetical case, right? Because I don't know the actual details of the, the FanDuel deal. If they came in and bought 60% of the company, do you call that a merger or an acquisition? The way, the way that this deal was created was there was a new company created, which was called Panda Company. And that was created by the FanDuel board. And that company was merged with the U.S. assets of Paddy Power Betfair. And that came together to create a new company, which is now called FanDuel. Mm-hmm. So call it what you want. 
that's where it is. But there was no exit. So the board of FanDuel is still on the board of the new FanDuel company. Why didn't you stay with the company? Uh, None of the founders stayed. Uh, We had taken money from private equity. And uh, when you do that, uh, the ownership... You're talking the 2015 deal with KKR. Uh, we took money in 2014 from Shamrock Capital. Yep. And part of that was secondary? Uh, no. We okay. took money in 2014 from Shamrock and we took uh, KKR in 2015. We've all had that dreaded experience where we're trying to rush and log into our email one last time before moving on to our next task and we get hit with the dreaded password verification screen. It's super, has a lot of friction. Nobody likes it. The challenge is the tech leaders and security leaders at these companies need easy to use, but secure logins. Nobody wants to be the next big data breach. The solution to this and what identity champions are using is ping identity at pingidentity.com. It enables companies and customers to manage this effectively for not only their employees logging into internal applications, but also end customers and users who need easy to use logins that are safe and secure. If you're looking to become a champion of identity, go to pingidentity.com today to test it out. Again, that's pingidentity.com. Back to your point, I, I understand the founders would leave if you if you got liquidity in 2015. If, if part of that deal of KKR was secondary, I, I totally get that. Is that what happened? There was no secondary. No. Okay. There was no secondary. The founders were not allowed to take secondary. Got it. So, I, sorry, I thought maybe I misheard you. I thought you just said you guys none of the founders stayed because you guys got liquidity at some somehow. No, I said when you take money from private equity, it changes the dynamics of a company. And, uh, you know, private equity and VCs are very different. Yeah, um, I guess we're, 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 I'm, I'm digging here because I want to understand the difference between when founders call something a merger via an acquisition. I've always thought, honestly, it's just positioning. But if none of the founders from FanDuel are now at the final company, it's hard to call it a merger. I mean, I would call it an acquisition where they basically had essentially control. You guys got some upside and some sort of liquidity, obviously, and that otherwise you'd still be there. You guys went off and are now doing your own new things and they're going to take their bets on competing with DraftKings and going after that, that market. No, that's that's not really how I would describe it. Okay, but so well, why 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 aren't you guys? I guess what I'm asking though is, why, why, I, every entrepreneur and you know this better than anyone has opportunity costs. You saw enough opportunity in this new relationship app that it made it worth your while, and it sounds like other founders left as well to leave Fanduel. I'm trying to get inside your head and understand why yeah. you thought the relationship app opportunity was bigger than what you already had. Bird in the hand, bird in the bush at Fanduel. We all left FanDuel way before we started new companies. Let me put it that way. Okay, this was not, uh, oh, there's a shiny, bright new thing over there that I want to go and do. That was not this case. And we didn't take any liquidity from the company. We didn't mm-hmm. do any secondary. So I'm going to let you do the sums on that and figure that out. What well, I don't want to figure, I, I, I'm not here to speculate. I'm here to ask you questions and learn. So what, what year did you leave the company? 2017. Okay, twenty seven. Okay, so 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 you left. What I want is getting at is all this basically kind of happened around the same time between the KKR deal and between Patty Hoare Betfair coming in. That's when all the founders left in twenty seventeen. We left after the FTC blocked the merger with DraftKings. Yeah, got it. Okay, 
Very good. Okay. So moving back to where we're at today. So 50,000, you launch your three, four months and now 50,000 downloads. You do have paying customers. How are you experimenting with pricing? Uh, I imagine this is something you're constantly triggering back and forth with these new customers. How are you experimenting with it? Yeah, we're looking at um, annual price points versus monthly price points. And, you know, just trying to do the sums around that. Still early days. Uh, we're right in the middle of a bunch of tests. I don't really have anything particularly insightful to share with you at this point. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, it's a entirely new, uh, entirely new product, entirely new space, and we need to figure out what's going to work for us. What's considered, I assume you've done research obviously on the app ecosystems in general and you have friends that have their own applications. If someone's getting 10,000 downloads in kind of this kind of space, what would you consider really like best in class in terms of conversion to paid? How many of those 10,000 would convert to paid? For me in particular, for Relish in particular? No, no, no. I'm talking in in general. When you look at kind of where you want to get to in terms of goal conversion rate, what do you think is best in class? If you get 10,000 downloads, how many should, how many should convert to paid? Um, I don't, honestly, I don't know what best in class is there. Um, I, I, you know, we, we look at each part of the funnel for, for ourselves and we can, we, we don't really benchmark ourselves against other apps or, or, or other products. We just try to improve every part of the funnel. So, um, you know, we, we track that every week and we just try to say, okay, uh, what's going to move the, the dial in each part of this funnel? What's moved it effectively or the most effectively over the first three months in terms of new customers, not downloads, but new customers? I mean, we're constantly running different paywall tests. We're looking at uh, different segments of audience to target. Um, there's, uh, uh, there's never a silver bullet with any of this. It's just a hundred different things that you can do to constantly tweak and constantly improve it. Well, tell me about a test you ran though that worked well. It signed up a couple couple new customers. I'll tell you about lots of tests that failed. <laughs> well, no, I, I, tell me about the ones that. Tell me about one that won first, and we can talk about some failures too. But what worked well over the past three months? Um, I think for me, the failures always stick in my head more clearly than the than the winners. And one of the ones was we 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 wanted to test like what happens whenever we offer you. Do you want a single account or do you want a joint account? Do you want to do this on your own or do you want to do it with your partner? Um, and what we found was that offering a choice on the paywall was actually a disaster. You know, our, it was... Why does that surprise you? Most people would say the more choices you give anybody, the lower the conversion rate is going to be. Why is that surprising to you? I mean, maybe it shouldn't have been surprising, but I was surprised by it. And I feel like, you know, the, the conversion was like 25% lower than it had been when there was just one, uh, one option on the paywall. So, you know, you, you try things, you move on. The unfortunate thing is with apps, it's much harder to test quickly than it is with a website. You have to publish, Apple has to approve. Yeah, it just takes longer, right? So you have to be a lot more thoughtful and careful with the the test you're going to run um, because they'll take longer to get results. Yep. Well, what's your, look, we have a couple weeks left in the year. I mean, what's kind of your goal in terms of if you get, you know, north of a thousand customers by the end of the year, you'd be happy or a range is fine. I'm just trying to get a general sense of how you're thinking about converting those downloads to customers. Um, so I think the way that I think about it is it's right. It's, it's less about having a big goal for a number of downloads and it's more about, 
have setting those goals for the unit economics that that uh, you need that you want to hit, and figuring out um, you know what does that look like for retention if you make that, those changes. So, for example, for monthly, um, we launched a monthly option last month. How, how much is it per month? It's fifteen dollars per month. Okay. So, what does that look like for retention? We don't know yet. Um, are you more or less likely to stick around if you uh, if you're only paying fifteen dollars a month versus a hundred dollars upfront? We don't know the answers to those. I want to find out all the answers to everything, um, and then think about okay, now that we have all that in place, we're going to start scaling. All right, good stuff. On that note, uh, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Favorite business book. Oh gosh. Are you going to give me like quick fire questions here? Yes. That's what it is. Have you listened to a podcast episode before? <laughs> Not Nathan. No. <laughs> that's why you were surprised with the numbers questions as well. I'm surprising someone like you wouldn't jump on and, and at least be curious about what you're about to jump into. You committed 20 minutes of your time to this. I did. I, I trust my PR. Um, so favorite business book. Um, I'm reading Ben Horowitz's book right now on culture and I'm really enjoying it. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Nope. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the company? Amplitude. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Sorry, what? How many hours of sleep do you get each night? Six. And what's your situation? Married, single, kiddos running around? Uh, Married and three kids. Holy mackerel, you are busy. Uh, Do you mind me asking how old you are? Uh, Older than you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the reason I ask is because I then want to subtract off, go back down to t- your 20 year old self. What's something you wish she knew? Uh, that's a very good question. I wish she knew that the guy that she's about to meet is the one. <laughs> <laughs> that cr- cr- crystal ball stuff right there, folks. Hello, Relish. There you have it. We'll see what happens. 50,000 downloads over the past four months. Right now, $100 a year is kind of the test they're going at, but also testing monthly pricing as well. B2C application. Uh, they burned through a couple hundred thousand dollars building the MVP between 2018 and launch in August of 2019. They raised 2.2 million bucks on day one, mainly based on uh, on the background of Leslie uh, being one of the founders of FanDuel. So Leslie, we're wishing you luck. Thanks for taking us to the top. All right. Thanks, Nathan.